The chapters that we consider over the next two weeks deal with the judgment of the religious and the economic systems associated with Babylon. These two chapters, chapters 17 and 18, are just like chapters 12 through 14, parenthetical in nature. And they provide us with supplementary information about the matters that are referred to, or at least alluded to, in the chronological sections. The seal, the trumpet, the bowl judgments, all occur in the last three and a half years of the tribulation. And you'll notice most all of our chronological information has focused on those last three and a half years, what New Testament scholars call the Great Tribulation. There's the Tribulation, that's the whole seven years. There's the Great Tribulation, which is the last three and a half years. We've been focused on that last three and a half years with the seal judgments, with the trumpet judgments, and last week with the bowl judgments. This intensification of God's wrath being poured out upon the earth, one, to get Israel's attention and to judge the enemies of God. The information that we study tonight and next week, actually takes us back to the beginning of the tribulation. And Revelation can be a challenging book if you don't understand these parenthetical sections. So we're not going along chronologically. We're going back to the beginning and coming up to the three-and-a-half-year period of the tribulation tonight. With respect to the name Babylon, some do consider the word Babylon in Revelation to be a code word for the city of Rome. Others see it as the literal Babylon. I personally take it as the literal Babylon, a city that will be rebuilt. But either way, in these two chapters, here's the key. Systems associated with ancient Babylon come into judgment. Systems associated with the name Babylon in Scripture come into judgment. The focus in chapter 17 is on the religious system identified with Babylon in, in Scripture, it will be judged. And in chapter 18 is the economic system associated with Babylon, and it will too be judged. Babylon is not just the name of a city in the Middle East. It's also a name that symbolizes the chief characteristics associated with that city. There's a religious system that is associated with Babylon and has been associated with Babylon, all the way back into the Old Testament, back to the very beginning in, in uh, Genesis chapters 10 and 11, particularly chapter 11. Alan Johnson put it this way, Ancient Babylon is better understood here as the archetypical head of all entrenched worldly res resistance to God. It's a code word in the Bible, not just here, but all through the Bible, of entrenched, trenched, worldly resistance to God. He goes on to say, Babylon is a trans-historical reality, including idolatrous kingdoms as diverse as Sodom, Gomorrah, Egypt, Babylon, Tyre, Nineveh, and Rome. Babylon is an eschatological symbol of satanic deception and power. It's a divine mystery that can never be wholly reducible to empirical earthly institutions. It may be said that Babylon represents the total culture of the world apart from God.
would be resurrected. By the way, I don't know if you've ever considered this, but it's also my view, and it's the view of many people that I respect. In fact, I have a hard time expecting this as much as you say, is that all the truly, or all those who are under the age of accountability, are those who are resurrected are also resurrected at that time. I don't see any way God leaves a little infant in a crib and both parents are resurrected. And I believe, Robert Wagner believes, John Walton believes, that the children of those under the age of accountability are those who are resurrected and also be resurrected at that time. If they are if they're children of unbelievers and they go through the, the, the tribulation period and they're still under the age of accountability, they're going to end up going to heaven. And I get that from primarily from 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, but also from the character of God in general. God is not going to send a baby to hell who has never had a choice. After the resurrection of the church, every believer is going to Every single individual on earth is a non-believer at that moment. But also remember this, mankind is hopelessly religious. Mankind has always wanted to worship something. Mankind has always understood there's something out there bigger than themselves, with one exception, and that's the atheist, and that's supposed to be a part of this discussion today, because I don't really believe that there's two atheists. But mankind is hopelessly religious. And so picture this, you have a globe that's filled with people that are unsaved, but one day after the resurrection of the church, they're all unsaved. Satan uses this as an opportune moment to squeak in with his false rest. Because people want the trappings of religion. They feel better about themselves if they have the trappings of religion. He uses this as an opportunity to promote his false rest. Because the false gospel is around from the beginning. It's right before the Holy Ghost. In Genesis chapter 11, battles all the way from the beginning have introduced a system of works to be rightly related to God, all the way back to Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. It's so, but remember what they said at that time. Come let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. That was their solution to the problem. Let's build a city and we're going to do something about it. So from the very beginning, from the very seed of the false religious system, from the seed stage, it is the system of salvation by works. I would propose to you that there are really only two systems of salvation in the world. One is salvation is by grace, through faith alone, and Christ alone. The other is salvation through some works-based system. Now, it could be Totally works based. Some people want to add works to faith, but really there's only two systems faith alone, or either faith plus or works. You know, one person told me one time that around the kitchen table is relatively money. I said, Do you get to go to heaven when you die? You know, the classic thing. So the conversation with me, he said, Well, I hope so. And I said, Okay, uh, and what are you basing your hope? He said, Well, I've taught some for the last 32 years. And the best way, the best way your hope is based is on a good job. I said, that's great. But that's what your hope is based on? I said, what about faith in Christ? I said, well, we had a, a different discussion there. Some people may say, well, what about, what about the Eastern text or the Eastern religion, the non-theistic religion? It's a work system right here, my friend. 
you go into the whole system of, of Hinduism with this idea of reincarnation. It's all a works-based system. Now, they may not realize, they may not think they're going to heaven, but that's why they may think they're going to be reincarnated as something else. And I used to have a lot of friends that didn't believe it, that's why I know a lot about it. I heard it all the time. They, they thought they were going to be reincarnated as a queen or something, because they're going to really well in this life. They didn't know what I could be reincarnated as, because I was, well, I'm, I'm curious, they thought I was a Neanderthal Christian. And I needed to get these ideas of theism out of my head, and it was going to take me several lives, probably, to do that. So my, my point is that there's only one or two things. It's a thing that's already introduced a false religious system long time ago, from the very beginning. All he's doing now is he's taking this opportune moment after the resurrection of the church to go full bore and give people what they want. They want religion. He's going to give them religion. As the tribulation begins, Satan's system, symbolized by this harlot on the red beast, has taken hold of the world. Not surprised by that, I'm sure. If there are no believers, well, at least at the beginning of the tribulation, there are no believers. Satan's system is well recommended. It's well accepted by those who are people who believe the people who are already rejected Christ before the resurrection of the church. Can you imagine the news stories that are going to go on at that time trying to explain the disappearance of all these people? It's going to be an amazing thing. We won't see it, but it'll be an amazing thing. So you have this religious system that is being promoted by Satan. It's been around forever. And now that all the salvation by grace and faith and one of people are gone, there's nobody really left at that point. Since salvation by grace and faith and one of Christ are because they're all unbelievers. So this religious system takes hold. It apparently has many adherents. It's a false religious system symbolized by this harlot on the red beach. At this point, Early in the tribulation, the religious system is driving the church. You see here, if you want to, that the harlot, who represents Babylon, this religious system, is riding the horse, which is going to represent the beast and the revival of the empire. At this point, in the beginning, the religious system is driving the political system. Evil rulers in history use the religious system that's in place, and so the false religious system that's in place, for their own ends. When they're tired of that false religious system, they do away with the false religious system. And that's what's going to happen in our chapter tonight. Once we get about halfway through the tribulation, the beast is going to say, I've got all the things I need out of here. And he's going to wipe out the false religious system. Only it's not really going to be the beast wiping them out. The beast wipes them out based on God's, God's permission. And that's the God's blessing. This false religious system gets wiped out. In the first seven verses, and one of the seven angels, this is chapter 17, and one of the seven angels, where the seven bulls came and spoke to this saying, Come here and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Now, by the way, the reference to the many waters is going to be explained. In verse 15, right? the many waters are the, the reference to the people. But we'll talk about that in verse 15. The great holy who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality 
and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations, and of the unclean things that were in the altar. And upon her forehead a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw a woman drunk with the blood of the saints, I saw a woman drunk with the blood of the saints, and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered greatly. And the angel said to me, Why do you wonder? Or why are you amazed at this? Why are you perplexed, perhaps? I shall tell you the mystery of the woman, and of the beast of character, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. Verses 8 and following, we're going to have an explanation of this, which is really kind of nice, because we don't have to guess about some of these things. The text is going to interpret itself for us. But there are a few things in the first seven verses that do need to be referenced. The first is the idea of immorality. The immorality being referenced here is essentially spiritual immorality. You recall in the Hebrew Bible, the Jews of the Old Testament were oftentimes said to be committing adultery against Yahweh. It was spiritual adultery. They were going off and worshiping foreign gods. This is not primarily sexual immorality in this second place. It's not the second place part of it, but it's primarily spiritual adultery. In the Old Testament, spiritual adultery, that term was directed to Israel. It was the Jews that were being condemned time after time for committing Adultery, spiritual adultery against Yahweh. Well, here it's slightly different. These are unbelievers that are said to be committing spiritual adultery because of their adherence to this false system. In verse 2, within the kings of the earth had committed acts of immorality, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. In verse 1, we see that she's sitting on many waters. Verse 16 will tell us that's the people. The people are enamored with this false system. People just love falsehood in this system. Because most of the time, not always, but most of the time, false religious systems fit right into what people wanted to do anyway. Something's going to make them feel better about themselves. And I'm intrigued by the technology here. They were made drunk with the wine of immorality. This was so intoxicating that she had this poet. This false religious system has no problem gaining adherence. Just like in the days of Israel, the, the whole idea of Baal worship really didn't have a hard time being covered because part of the conversion to Baal worship was fornication. It was really called prostitution. You could fornicate with them. There's a certain group of people who say, sign me up for that, not realizing that it's a it's the best fits for them. They're made drunk with the wine of her morality and metaphor for they love this false religious system and they're not thinking anymore. When you get drunk, you don't think as well as you did before. They're in, another way to put it is they're intoxicated with this system. Then he carried me away in the spirit of the wilderness and I saw a woman riding on a scarlet beast, a red beast. This is Revelation of the Bible in chapter 13. A red beast 
full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. That would be explained in a moment. And the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having her head a gold cup full of abominations. For some reason, extremely religious people and religious systems. Now, by using the term religion, I'm not using that as a synonym for Christianity. When the term religion is used, and this is specified to me in Christianity, it is simply meant by people who are adhering to this other system, the system of getting God's favor by works. I don't know what it is, but they seem to be drawn to the body. You guys in Barcelona? There's a church in Barcelona. You, you would recognize the kind of church. It's called the Body Church. The reason it's called the Body Church, it's a, it's a Roman Catholic cathedral, is because the man who designed it was named God. And so it's so often that we just kind of take that guy's name and we've applied it to other things. So it's become a synonym for something that's just over the top. It's like in Israel. If you go to Israel today, to the church of the Holy Sepulchre, where Jesus was allegedly crucified. They built a church on that spot. It is so gaudy and hideous the things that they have done for that church. I don't want to even do it. That's why people are going to the garden today. There's a guy away from it. There's a bus station on top of the garden today where Jesus might have been crucified. But at least you can have a community that says, well, all the trappings, all this gaudiness. And that's what we have here. The woman is called the purple and scarlet. These are lavish trappings of religion, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. And then it says, having in her hand a gold cup of abominations, that the unclean things that are in the land. She's full of sin. This is a false religious system. It's spiritual immorality, but spiritual immorality includes all these sinful activities. It's sinful activities that are part of the religion. This is a religious system at the beginning of the tribulation. And upon its forehead, a name was written. Now, whether this is the reference or not, I couldn't tell you for sure. But back in John's day, when there were prostitutes, cult prostitutes, oftentimes they would have a headband around their head, they would have their name on it. I don't know why they would do that, but that's, or they'd have a name on it. And this is the name that's written on this harlot. For the Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, may I say, the mother of false religious systems, and of the abominations of the earth. So there's no secret about this false world system. Then in verse 6, and I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints. Now, twice this word has been used, even within the same paragraph. The adherence to this false religious system were intoxicated. With this religious system, and now the religious system itself becomes intoxicated with the blood of those who have trusted Christ. So follow this. As the, as the tribulation begins, it's all unbelievable. But surely, and we do know, that people become saved during the tribulation. I'm sure there are people that said, you know what? I remember my brother in law told me about this. Maybe. Maybe it turns out he was right, and they do trust Christ. So there is a nucleus of believers after the tribulation begins. You have this world system, this massive, it's going to a small nucleus of believers toward the beginning of the tribulation. 
Well, this false religious system does everything they can to wipe out every believer on the planet. And that's what it means when it says the woman who represents the false religious system is intoxicated with the blood of the saints. What kind of religious system would kill people and think that they were doing bad things? This is not shocking. This is what happens when you get so far afield. How would you think that God would ordain you killing somebody that doesn't agree with your position. And with the blood of the witness of Jesus, and when I saw her, he was very perplexed. He wondered greatly. And he never said, well, why are you perplexed? Why, are, why do you wonder? I shall tell you. And this is the woman, the love of beast, that kills her, and which has seven heads and ten horns. The beast you saw was and is not, is, and is about to come. That was and is not, is about to come upon the abyss and it goes into destruction. It goes into destruction. And those who dwell on the earth will wonder, will marvel, whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, and when they see the beast, that he was and he and is not and will come. Remember back in chapter 13, when we first met this beast, in chapter 13, verse 3, it said, And I saw one of his heads, I think it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed, and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. That's what's being referenced here again. And at that point, you said there's two options. One is that the beast actually was assassinated, that's a popular option, and Satan brought the beast back to life as some sort of miracle which would cause people to follow it. That's a possibility, but Satan's never really said to have the power of life in the scripture. So it could be that the revived Roman Empire was on its way out, but this one particular head brought it back. That's the revived part. Either way, that's what's being referenced here. That's the one that was in the years and the years to come. Verse 8 again, people are going to be amazed at this guy. We're about to halfway through the tribulation. They're going to be amazed him, but not the people who are viewing this. That's the one group that's stopped. Those are the people whose names are written in the Book of Life. Those whose names are not written in the Book of Life will just be amazed when they see this beast. In verse 9, here is the mind which has wisdom. In other words, it takes a little wisdom to understand this passage. And so I appreciate that short paragraph of faith. The seven heads and seven minds are in which the woman sits. If we stop there, we still be confused. We keep reading because we're still in the middle of the sentence. And there are seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he will remain a little hard. The best understanding, historically, of what's happened here has to go back to the book of Daniel and those kingdoms. If we look at the, the kings, the five which have fallen, these are kingdoms which have dominated Israel. The first one would have been Egypt. The second one would have been Assyria. The third one would have been Babylon. The fourth one would have been Persia. And the fifth one would have been Greece. Those are the five kings that are currently referenced here. They have already called one is. Now, at the time John writes this, the one that is is the Roman Empire. So that, that's the one that is. The other has not yet come. That's a reference 
will investigate your event and this revised world impact. So again, there's 17 private fallen, those are ones I mentioned, from Egypt to Greece. One is, that's Rome. The other is not yet come, that's the revived Roman Empire, the Roman Empire of the future. And many times you must remain a little bit for setting the period of those things. And the beast, which was, and is not, is itself also an eight. It is one of the seven, and it goes through the structure. The beast is very closely associated in some ways with the Roman Empire, but he's also considered to be an empire in and of himself, which is again part of the empire. So evidently, the beast is, in, is one of the seven in the sense that his first kingdom is on a par with the seven major empires that we mentioned. He's the eighth in that he establishes an eighth major sphere with a worldwide government, the revived Roman The seventh kingdom, then again, is the revived Roman Empire. The eighth is the beast kingdom, which comprises the revival Roman Empire and all the empires of the Jesus Christ will destroy the beast, this eighth kingdom, when he returns to earth. Study that in Revelation chapter 19. And we're getting very close to that. It's not just going to fall. Like other empires did, it's going to be destroyed. In this place, in the ten homes, which we saw in ten kings, who have not yet received the kingdom, but they receive authority as king with the beast for one hour. The specific identity of these ten horns, these other kings, we don't know at this point. I love to see people speculate, and then world conditions change, and they have to rewrite their books. But they're going to be thinking, and most of the time, people go back to the nations that were part of the Roman Empire and try to figure out the ten, the most powerful there, but there were more than ten, so who do we read out? We just don't know. But we know how many of them will be as clear. But we do know that the allies of the beast, and they were served under the beast in the last three and a half years, this great tribulation. Each of them will rule a kingdom simultaneously with one another and with the beast. If you recall, we learned that back in Daniel chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, and verse 24. They have authority to rule for one hour, which means only briefly, during the great tribulation. And their short rule. Evidently, will precede the coming of Jesus Christ in chapter 19. The beast is going to give them the authority. But remember this nothing happens without God's sanction. So God had to say, okay, for these, these nations receiving the authority. In verse 13, they have one purpose. And they give their power and authority to the beast. All this is focused on Antichrist. See, evil is climaxing at the end of the Great Tribulation. So first, you have this religious system that supports the beast, and then the religious system is wiped out by the beast. Think about times past, even in, in, in more recent history. If you look at the Russian Revolution, in the first few months of the Russian Revolution, the Russian Orthodox Church was in favor of the Russian Revolution. Why? Because the Czars had been oppressive. They didn't think the difference, so they welcomed the communist group. 
and it wasn't too long when they realized the town was crazy, it's taken over the United States. But at the beginning, they welcomed it. That's why I think people will welcome this culture that just sits in the middle of the other side of the beast will use the culture that just sits in the middle of the other side of the world. Once they're used to it, they can get rid of it. In World War II, if you've read the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know a little bit about this. In World War II, it would be good. The Lutheran Church welcomed him. Now, this was a shame, and they're ashamed of it today, but they were that Bonhoeffer was one of the only people that stood up to Hitler right from the beginning. But there are pictures of all these pastors who smiled with Hitler at the beginning. Well, then, very shortly after that, after Hitler was through with them, after he didn't need them anymore, there were a lot of those guys were executed. But that's not Hitler. What's a Hitler Drake? Hitler Drake was all for Rome until they wouldn't get any doors. Then he threw off the wind, started his own religion to the West, the Church of England, named himself a hero. It wasn't a very religious organization, but it was a church organization, with Henry being the head of that church. So this is not new, there's nothing new in the sun, and that's what happened. Then in verse 14, these will wage war against the land. The land will overcome them because he is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Those who are living are the called, the children, and the faithful. That's Three years from the same group. And he said to me, The waters which you saw, where the harlot sits, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. That's why I said that back in verse 1. And he said, The waters which you saw, and the beast, these will hate the harlot, and will make her desolate and naked, and they will eat her flesh and burn her up with fire. Once they're done with the false religious system, they cast it out. Once they've got their power, they don't need this false religious system anymore. And remember, Three and a half years into the tribulation, what does the Antichrist do? Everybody tell us what's the Because we don't need any other false religious system. It's all about the effect. That's when the false prophet comes up and puts everybody in the Antichrist. And then finally, in verse 17, they say, For God has put it in their hearts to execute his purpose. Don't miss that as you get to the end of this lesson. This, it looks for the world like this is all Satan's purpose. But God is the one who is ultimately fulfilling his own purpose in wiping out this false religious system. The common purpose. And by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God should be fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is the great city which reigns over the kingdoms of the earth. In other words, the woman you saw is Babylon. That's the point. That's where the term the great city is used. Scripture. They have a singular purpose to rule the world. Once they don't need this religious system anymore, they do away with the religious system. John Robertson, in view of the fact that there does not seem to be any religious opposition to the woman, and her sway seems to be complete except for individual states which she persecutes, the evidence seems to support the fact that the woman represents an ecumenical or worldwide church embracing all of Christianity and air quotes religiously, and therefore not only including the Roman Catholic Church, but also Protestant churches and Greek Orthodox churches as well. There will be some structure, and I don't mean any assist in any faith at all, but there will be some structure that survives the rapture of the church, some religious organizational structure. Because some religious organizations are not made up totally of believers. Now, I should say this because I know several of you have a Roman Catholic background. I am, am, would never say that all Roman Catholics are believers. But the system, if I know, the system of Roman Catholicism 
is not a system of salvation or justice. It's a system of justification by law. So where does it belong? In the true faith, or does it belong in the other category? I'm sorry, it belongs in the other category. Same way with the Orthodox churches, the system is not salvation by justification. It is something else. So I don't think it's a stretch to say that the leadership structure, that the medical or the ecclesiastical structure of these false systems today will survive in some sense into the tribulation itself. But not just that. I agree with Dr. Walden. There's certainly some people in the Protestant structure that don't receive the gospel. All these surviving systems will be wrapped up into one system, that's what Walden says. Wrapped up in the one world of political system proposed. She goes on to conclude the final form of rule is will either be Christian in name. Well, that's the atheistic, humanistic, and satanic system which denies everything related to the true God and is the persecutor of all who fail to worship the political rule. So, if we summarize this up, all throughout history, evil rulers have used religious systems to get what they want. After they get what they want, they throw off the religious system. That's what's going to happen in the tribulation. To summarize it all, in the tribulation, there will be a world religious system that comes into being. Right after the resurrection of the church. That world religious system will have some dominance over the political system for about three and a half years. At the midpoint of the tribulation, when the great tribulation starts, the political system led by Antichrist will throw off the yoke of the religious system and will start driving the train from that point. The Antichrist will destroy this false religious system and turn everybody to worship him himself. I guess in a way, he's just an addition and bonus to the false religious system. There's nothing new under the sun. But this method is the same method that was used all throughout history and be used again in the tribulation by the Lord. So in chapter 17, we see the rise and the fall of the false religious system in the first three and a half years of the tribulation.